You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 482, and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. And I'm your co-host, Brian Mariani. All right, listeners, we released episode 460, The State of Rails Hiring in 2023 on March 8th, and the market actually has continued to be quite erratic. So we definitely wanted to bring Brian on to bring us an update. What are you currently seeing, Brian? Yeah. Hi, Brittany. Well, yeah, March was the last time we chatted about this. So it's crazy how time's flying, but it's been a little interesting. So certainly a lot of the same back really, gosh, I would say back in March, I've always had a front row seat to kind of witness what's happening here in the job market. And I'd say it was a little bleak then for sure. There was still opportunity, no doubt. And there still is today, of course, and we'll get into some of that. But yeah, March was tough all the way through April. And then we saw a little bit of a turn, which was terrific, really. I, I started to have more client calls. I think Sometimes you see a little bit of a turn too when there's just a little bit of positive news from the Fed or the stock market really just correlates with sometimes some of these conversations I have. So May, even June, like placing some engineers, having more client conversations, but it was still low. Like we're still far under typical roster of clients that we like to handle. And then probably through May and then even June and even now, there's just this steady stream of layoffs kind of still happening. And I think the big thing is that this all started with the big fang companies, but it has flowed down to some of the midsize and smaller companies for sure. But one thing to keep in mind, it's definitely not a Rails thing or a Ruby thing. It feels like no one's really insulated from it. You could be a Java engineer, a Python engineer. I mean, some of these companies are just shitting people. But what I'm finding is of the clients I have that are doing well, it really seems to be the ones that I guess for better or worse, maybe didn't overhire, especially the last two or three years. They were just kind of slow and steady on that growth trajectory and didn't really explode into it. They seem to be doing okay. I'm definitely talking to some companies that have not had layoffs and are doing well, but not like the good old days that we've all been accustomed to, I think over the past decade where everyone's hiring, the demand is super high. The supply of engineers is super low. There's a bit more of an equilibrium right now between that supply and the demand, but there is still hiring. It's just a funny time. It's going to take a little more hustle, I'd say, on the part of the engineer these days if you're without a job to find one. Yeah. From my side, what I'm seeing, I follow a bunch of subreddits where people are looking for jobs or asking to have their resumes evaluated, which in itself, Brian, is absolutely fascinating. But what I'm seeing is we're not seeing the mass layoffs that we saw earlier in the year, and we're seeing tiny departments or tiny pockets of employees getting let go. And then these companies are almost taking a moment to think about what they truly mean. And then they're hiring very specialized roles. And so if you happen to be available and willing to work like these very specialized roles, there is a lot of opportunity out there right now. I think one sector that is definitely hurting is folks who were junior developers who got hired in 2021 or 2022, and they've gotten a little bit of experience. Then they got laid off. I feel like those folks are having a really hard time just because they aren't ready for those specialized roles. They just don't have enough experience to back them yet. I think you're spot on. In fact, it's funny, as I'm talking to, I mean, so many people are getting laid off, whether it's senior, mid-level, junior, but by and large, and this is fairly anecdotal evidence, but for the most part, the more senior engineers are not, I'm really not talking to anyone saying, hey, Brian, I've been looking for three months and I can't find a job. I'm not hearing that. I mean, they might go a month or two, but I'm really not pushing that three-month mark. I would say people 
the senior engineers are able to find stuff fairly quickly, all things considered. But as you go down in skill level, for sure, it's just tougher. I'm hearing some longer time frames. But again, there are some of those jobs out there. I mean, I do have some clients that are hiring for those roles, but they're fewer and far between for sure. So I famously can be accused of this, Brian, and that is trying to muscle things. So to me, muscling things is you need to do something. It's not quite working. Well, what if I apply a bunch of pressure to it? It's got to work, like turning a bolt, things like that. One thing that I do see candidates doing, and it's almost like they're trying to muscle it, is they have not a great resume, not a great direction in terms of how they're applying And so instead of really taking the time to refine what they want or what their personal brand is when they're going to apply for these jobs, instead of being very thoughtful around applying to 10 jobs, they're applying to 200 jobs with a bad resume. And it kind of breaks my heart because the amount of effort, all the ATS systems that they're applying to, it's just rough to watch because if it's not working, don't make it worse by just trying to like send your resume everywhere. Just curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, it's an excellent point. And it's funny, I'm victim to the same thing of trying to muscle it. This has been so many times around the house, I'm trying to fix something and my wife is right. It obviously does not fit. Like you cannot pushing it harder, <laughs> like try a different approach. <laughs> and then inevitably she'll call her dad, who's a contractor and he fixes it. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> but no, you're right. It's this shotgun approach that a lot of people are taking. Yeah. And it can really be junior up through senior, but it is definitely more maybe some of the less experienced folks who just haven't been around as long to know that, yeah, less can be more for sure. And it's a situation where I think it feels like, yeah, the more I apply to, you know, more chances I'm going to have, which there is something to that, not totally against the contact sport idea. You know, the more contacts you make, the more uh, chance you're going to have that you're going to get a hit. But taking the time to personalize some stuff, like you said, really kind of focus on your brand, your strengths, like really taking extra time to research the company We'll get into this in, in a little bit, but we are definitely at a stage where the little things will matter. And uh, I'll definitely have some tactics and whatnot that I've seen that have been working well that hopefully will help folks out. Yeah. So let's talk about the good and bad symptoms of what is currently happening in the economy. So what are you saying? Yeah, it is interesting. And there are symptoms, really, because we're dealing with is it's such a roller coaster. I think that's the best way to put it, where the peaks and the valleys are just higher than they've ever been since 2008. I mean, literally, I'm seeing developers who are down in the dumps because they just had a layoff. They weren't expecting it, didn't see it coming. And then maybe three weeks, four weeks later, they somehow have a new job and they didn't think it was going to happen that fast and they're sky high. And a month after that, they get the pink slip again. Like, I just haven't seen the roller coaster like that in a while. So, you're seeing these larger emotion swings. And I think that if I had to pick a couple symptoms, one is that the velocity of decisions is way down. So just feel like startups and developers are slower to act. Startups, especially right now, I just feel like some of these companies will say, hey, we definitely need a couple engineers. Let's get them going. And for my desk, for example, we'll send them over. And then we hear that we're not quite ready to hire as we thought we were. And some of these people do look great, but we're kind of backlogged right now on XYZ and just backlogged on interviews, right? Just like all of the velocity seems to be slowing the company side just because they do have a lot of resumes to get through. They're kind of taxing their team with interviews like they haven't in a long time just because they have so many applicants. So there's that. There's also 
velocity of decision on the developer has been a thing I've seen too, believe it or not. Even without a job, we'll see engineers who, for whatever reason, they might have a couple different offers. And usually, I've seen this a lot lately, to tell you the truth, where engineers will have multiple offers. Again, something else we'll get to because you wouldn't expect that in this economy, but I've seen it with pretty much the last, gosh, probably like 10 engineers we helped land jobs. Just, you would think there'd be a little more urgency to make a decision, but it's almost like some people get into like analysis paralysis, so to speak, where they're really getting into the minutia of every last detail. I had one guy recently, kind of felt bad for him. I mean, he was so excited about the job and he clearly said, yeah, of the three I'm talking to, this is the winner. I've connected with the people the best, just get the best vibe. Like it's just the right fit. And then he got the job offer and the detail about PTO and there's one other thing. And there were valid points, but it was like such a small difference in the PTO in one place and the next place. And then, then there was one other thing, but I mentioned to him, I said, hey, can't forget, these are pretty equivalent offers and we could definitely ask more PTO, that sort of thing, but we can't lose sight of the big picture. If we sit back and say, all things pretty much equal here, where are you going to be the happiest and be jumping out of bed in the morning to get to work? And he says, yes, no, it's definitely a company that we're working on together. But it's just ironic that so quickly you could kind of lose sight of that. And I don't see as much of that when times are good. So ironically, it's just more cautious, I think, about some of the decisions they're making and things have just slowed down a little. So that's one symptom that people's decision-making has been a bit slower. The other is that there's definitely some buyer's remorse and seller's remorse is a lot higher. That's just another thing I've seen where startups and developers feel a little worse about some of the opportunities they pass on. I'd say startups and developers will second guess, like we just talked about, some of the opportunities they engage in. That's just something I've seen. Like people just, again, being extra thoughtful about some of the decisions they make and kind of questioning if it was the right decision. More so than just last year, even. It was a situation all the time, really the past decade, where developers will run into a great company or a company run into a great engineer and they make the hire fast or the developer will make the decision quick because they just know it feels right. And there's no need to sort of hem and haw over it. Even if they have multiple offers, they kind of know like, yes, this is what I'm feeling. This is the right spot to be. I'm going to go for it. For some reason, maybe just people are a little gun shy, a little skittish right now with everything going on. They're just being like extra thoughtful. And that's okay. That being thoughtful is not a bad thing, but you don't want to slow things down too much because there are a lot of applicants, a lot of people applying for jobs. So the faster you can make something happen, the better your chances are that you'll land that role. As an engineering manager or an engineer, too much of your time gets sucked up with downtime issues, troubleshooting, and error tracking. How can you spend more time shipping code and less time putting out fires? This is a question I'm always asking myself. Well, Honey Badger is how. It's a suite of monitoring tools made specifically for developers. It's the only system that combines error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and cron and heartbeat monitoring into one clean, fast interface. Sure, you can get familiar with any interface, but why waste your time learning some Franken-style interface that looks like an airline cockpit when what you need is clarity and speed? You won't know if Honey Badger will really save you time and trouble until you can see how it works in your own tool chain. With two lines of code in five minutes, you can see for yourself. Honey Badger automatically hooks into popular web frameworks like Ruby on Rails, job systems, authentication libraries, and front-end JavaScript. Imagine fixing errors before your users can even report them. 
Five minutes of your time with a free trial is all it takes to see if it will work for you. It just might be the best five minutes you've spent in a long while. Check out honeybadger.io. Do you see a difference between developers being really thoughtful if they already have a job versus developers who've been laid off for quite some time? Because I imagine the ones who have been laid off for a while are probably not being as thoughtful or are they actually still exhibiting those traits? Yeah, I feel like it's when you're out of the game for a while. And some of people who maybe got laid off have heard a lot of just taking personal time, doing personal projects, stuff like that, which all is totally fine, obviously. And many times it's probably necessary, but it can be months that they've been without jobs, five, six months easily. A lot of people I'll talk to lost their job like last fall, last winter. And it's a while. It's, I mean, that's seven, eight months now. And I think when you're out of it for that long, whatever reason, unless they have money coming in some other way, or they've just become accustomed to a little bit of a lesser lifestyle, like they're just not as much is in a rush as you would think. Whereas I've seen almost a little bit of the opposite because people who do have a job, if they're employed, they're not like totally thrilled with it. They're ready to move on. They kind of know the situation out there. They're in the game currently. They're just faster to make a decision. It sounds opposite of the way it should be, but I think part of it just is as simple as if you haven't been working for a long time, Sometimes people can be sluggish wanting to get back into it. If you're currently working and a new opportunity arises and it's great, they're more quick to jump on it. That's what I've seen. That's so interesting because one thing that I think I'm not sure that developers are thinking about is if you get laid off, absolutely, you should take some time off if you can afford it. I think that's great. But in a lot of ways, Brian, it's essentially gambling with your career. So let's say you got laid off in March and you decide you're going to start looking again in August. Well, what if you're coming back to a worse economy? What if May we saw a pop of hiring and that would have been the time to really start reaching out? Do you see developers kind of playing that game where they might be choosing an unfortunate time to ramp up their job search? Yeah, and it goes back to some of that remorse, I hate to say it, but that I've heard is people who did lose their jobs, especially winter or spring, right around that time frame. I've kind of taken that time off. And then they've said stuff like, gosh, I wish I started sooner. I hear that a lot because it is. I mean, every month that goes by where you're not actively working, just A, get rusty, but B, employers just kind of look at it funny. Like they want someone who has a little urgency, who wants to get to work, wants to be building things. So something to keep in mind, you just got to strike that right balance, taking that time for yourself, decompress a little bit, clear your mind, all that. Who knows what kind of situation you might've come from. So not saying that that's a bad thing, but just kind of walking that line of not taking too long because yeah, you're absolutely right. You can run into those situations where people start to look at it a little sideways. Yeah. And I just, I feel like you lose a little of that enthusiasm. It can just quickly go away and you can kind of just fall into a rut a little bit, but as soon as you get back into it, you'll be fine. But I'd say the sooner, the better. I would say the only time that is a guaranteed, probably not great time to do a job search is probably the black hole between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Would you agree, Brian? Or do you actually see a lot of success there? No, that can be a tough time. I would say right up until Thanksgiving is an amazing time. Oh, so we're coming up actually on what is supposedly should be the best time and historically has been for 17 years, Labor Day. As soon as Labor Day hits right up until Thanksgiving, every single year we've had the most activity. It's almost like everyone's just kind of back to work. Kids are back in school, whatever the case may be. Vacations, summer vacations are done. Things just ramp up. 
it happens every year. I'm really hopeful it's going to happen again this year so we can get some of these numbers back up, but it should. So we see that every year. Right to Thanksgiving is terrific. There is a window, though, I will say. this. We also have a lot of data on this. After Thanksgiving, up until the week before Christmas, is very good. The black hole is most definitely the week before Christmas until New Year's. That is not a good time because a lot of companies will kind of do a holiday shutdown or it's just very hard to get any momentum in that time. But there is like that three-week window. So it's almost like you've started your job search early November, mid-November, and you're somewhat through it. There's that four or five days around Thanksgiving where there's going to be a little bit of a lull. But if you can roll into a third or final interview right after that, it's actually a very good time because people are very incentivized to get deals done and get offers signed before those two holiday breaks. Okay, that is so interesting. Well, I'm crossing my fingers that we do see that uptick coming into the fall. I agree. Fall is my favorite season of the year. I don't know. Everything feels new. The air is crisp. Budgets are renewed. Everything just feels fresh. So like, I'm hoping that happens this year. Before we dig into more ways that employers and employees can navigate this weird economy, I have to take a weird chat GPT interlude. I am so curious, Brian, have you received any cover letters or resumes that were very obviously generated by AI? Oh, you are so funny. You are reading my mind (laughs) (laughs) because we were going to talk about this. We'll get into it. But a couple things. Yes, some of them we'll talk about is the difference between a what I feel like is a very sterile feeling cover letter or sterile feeling resume that I guess I can't prove that it was constructed with AI, but it feels like it is. And uh, that's certainly one of the things we are going to talk about is the way to combat that. And that's a big plus now more than ever is that ability to really personalize things. But yeah, I have seen another strange thing too, which I don't know, might not be a big surprise out there, but there's even this thing going on where not so much resume or cover letter, but sometimes (laughs) it's happened a few times. You're not even sure. I know the person I'm talking to on the other hand is a human, but (laughs) (laughs) oh, oh, oh yes. But there are these long pauses after I will say something, the long pause before they will speak has a couple times made me feel as though like I'm talking to one person who can interview well, but it's almost like some of the technical answers are coming from someone else. I'm like, is there some kind of relay going on or something like that? I actually have had that on a live interaction happen a couple of times. And I've had a client tell me the same thing, that they've had the same sort of interaction. It's just a funny feeling because you feel like you're having a real conversation. And I'm like 99% sure it, it seems like there's a real live human on the other end. But there's enough of a gap between what I say and like this processing going on. And I'm like, hello, hello. And then they jump in and it's, feels a little artificial. So who knows if that's coming next, but <laughs> as far as like resumes and cover letters, have seen some of those. I know it's very tempting to do it, but we'll talk about why it's not wise. Well, I have to ask, obviously you work significantly with Ruby on Rails developers, and I don't think that this idea is happening a lot there, but are you familiar with the idea of overemployed, Brian? Yeah. <laughs> and you know what's funny? I don't think I've really run into a ton of it, I have talked to engineers who tell me they have friends who do it. We've talked about it internally. Thankfully, I've never had a candidate that got laid off or fired, I should say, because of juggling multiple jobs. It hasn't happened with my clients, but I know it does happen and I've heard the stories. Yeah, I feel like the pandemic definitely lent a 
ability to be able to pull that off. You hear about like those legends of people working multiple fang jobs and you're like, how in the world? But if you really think about it, I guess it could be possible, but just the utter stress that that would cause. And yeah, I mean, it's basically people trying to play the game of being able to retire early. It's just having to maintain multiple identities would just be. <laughs> oh, I cannot imagine. So right? Hard. <laughs> I am a fan of doing one thing and doing it really well. But, you know, if it works for you, I mean, it's technically not illegal. It's just is it immoral? Not sure. Yeah, no. Yeah. Luckily, we haven't encountered it much. Do you hear the stories out there? Hi, everyone. It's Brian, your co-host. I'd like to talk to you about something that is very near and dear to my heart, and that's the software consultancy I co-founded in 2001, Atlantis Technology. Some of the longtime listeners here may know Mirror was born out of Atlantis back in 2006 when we figured, let's try being Ruby engineers who recruit Ruby engineers. It was a unique idea that clicked and now has become my life's work. But while I've been growing Mirror for the past 15 years, Atlantis has continued to grow as well. Atlanta still specializes in Ruby on Rails software development and collaborates on some pretty meaningful projects. Here are a couple of my favorites. An interactive education tool to help elementary school students learn how to read. How cool is that, right? Second is a SaaS application for clinics and hospitals to treat patients remotely. So my point is the work we do is really meaningful and impactful to others. But the best part is the work gets done by great developers who also happen to be great people. Atlantis has always attracted egoless, empathetic engineers who love working together, and we are actively seeking more remote engineers to help build a future for our clients. While I'm not doing the actual recruiting for Atlantis myself, since my time is so focused on Mirror clients, it'd be my privilege to connect you with our CTO and co-founder, John Collier, who after 19 years, I still describe as one of the most relentlessly positive human beings I know. If you'd like to meet John and hear more about working at Atlantis, just drop me an email at brian at mirrorplacement.com and I'll make an intro or apply directly at atlantistech.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. Let's dive into ways to combat at a high level what's currently going on. Do you have any advice for potential employees or employers out there? Absolutely. We'll start with a couple high level bullet points and then some more tactical bullet points. So first, I always say we're in a funky time for sure. So we can't forget that we all should maintain gratitude, gratitude for the jobs that we do have, we're going to have, and just the time that we live in. We're building things on the internet. It's amazing. It wasn't that long ago that didn't exist and these jobs weren't possible and the impact you can have reaching other people and impacting their lives on the web. It's incredible. And for software engineers and companies who employ them, it truly is a great time to be alive. So having that gratitude for our careers and what we do is important. Just something that's simple, but easy to lose sight of when things get a little rocky. Second, resiliency. I feel like it's a very important quality, especially now. Every storm runs out of rain. Very important to remember that. And you can't change the weather, but you can change how you react to it. And developers haven't had to deal with something like this, right? In a long time, really since I've been recruiting, the last decade plus has just been high, high demands, low supply of engineers, and just has continued until this past fall, winter, and right up until now, we're, we're in a little bit of a rocky time. But like I said, every storm runs out of rain. And I actually, how you react to it matters. And it's funny, kind of little off the cuff note, 
which reminded me of this randomly. We took our kids to their first concert here in the Boston area. It was Luke Combs, little country action. Mm-hmm. And it was at Gillette Stadium. And my wife and I were looking at the radar the whole time because we were excited to take all the kids and be all there. And the radar just kept showing rain. It was going to rain. I'm like, ah, we got through like the first five or six songs. Everything was fine. I'm like, I don't know. I don't think it's going to hit. And then the rain came and we were like, no one likes getting wet. And then it rained harder. And then he kept playing. And then no joke. It was like monsoon rain. And I have a picture of it. It was pouring as hard as I've ever had it pour. And what I noticed was how everyone reacted. No one was running for cover. Everyone at first was uncomfortable putting on ponchos and whatnot. And then when it got to a point, it was raining so hard that you could hear the rain, even over the concert. Everyone just let their guard down and got into the concert more. Even Luke Combs was like putting his face up in the air, sticking his tongue out, like embracing it and like really getting into it. And like people were singing along way harder than they would if it's just the sun shining. And I said, this is amazing. Like the energy and the enthusiasm of the people just got better in the worst of times. And it was really cool to just see that and be like in a sea of people like as that was happening. And it's just like a little anecdote that I think kind of carries over to we're dealing with now. Like it can be tough times. It can be a little strange. It can be a little difficult, but stay resilient, hustle more. Things will pan out. The rain will stop. It always does. So that's another. And then lastly, risk tolerance. So in the type of environment we're in, there's really just more chances to take risks and to be a little more bold. And I think that's the key word. Don't be afraid to be bold, especially if you're without a job. It might not be the perfect job. It might be a little riskier. It might be a smaller company than you're accustomed to. It might take a little bit of a leap of faith, but given everything that's going on, there's no better time to take risk like that because things will get less risky and this economy is going to turn and the demand's going to spike back up. It always does. I mean, we're not suddenly going to not be a tech economy or use tech anymore. So it's going to come back. It's just getting past this little bit of a piece. So don't be afraid to be more risk tolerant than usual, I would say. So those are kind of the high level. Tactically, and I know we touched on a couple of these. First off, I would say work on increasing your soft skills, like just having better soft skills. And a key one is written and verbal communication. So I would say on the written side, being better there means being a little more verbose. I mean, you touched on something very important about selling your personal brand. Feel free to get into it, you know, with a good cover letter, et cetera. And definitely not that sterile chat GPT style, but be very engaging. Personalize it more than you would. Same with emails. A personalized email goes a long way, whether it's the subject, whether it's the body of the email. And be accurate about your details. I actually had something happen to me that made me laugh. My colleague, Jonathan, who I think a lot of the listeners have heard from over the years, and myself, we both got a good laugh out of it because we both attended Brandeis University here in the Boston area. And the mascot for Brandeis is the judge named after Louis Brandeis, the Supreme Court justice. However, the mascot, the actual like at the basketball games running around the sidelines is an owl. And the owl is the wise old owl. It's kind of the play on that for the judge. So we're technically called the Brandeis judges, but the mascot is the owl. And I got an email saying something about the owl, like Brandeis owls. And I'm like, oh, wow, this person like literally just kind of saw the picture, doesn't actually know the mascot. And, you know, it's an immediate rejection, right? You're just archiving that or deleting that email. So just be accurate about your details. But it gave me a good laugh and Jonathan, too. And then verbally, you know, when you're in interviews, ask more questions. And I think 
it's important to not try to persuade people as much as understand. Try to be more understanding. I think that is, from a developer standpoint, indicative of someone people want to work with is a team player, someone that wants to understand the person that's sitting next to them, that's coding next to them, not so much trying to persuade them to do things their way. Offering suggestions is great, but just kind of understanding where they're coming from is important. So those kind of soft skills, especially in an interview, go a long way. I would say, I believe I touched on this last time, but I'm seeing it more and more pop up, relying on referrals from third parties. That is so key, especially now, because you have to stand out from the crowd. You know, typical job hosting is getting hundreds of applicants. So how are you going to stand out? Well, if you are personally referred by either a recruiter, by a former colleague, use that to your advantage. Really does matter. I talk to engineers every day. I hear the stories of how they're finding the jobs they find. Referrals matter. And it comes from both. It can come from a recruiter, but very much might not. So like I said, get out there, spend your time networking. I think that's important. Network with the people that you've been in contact with over the years really spend some time there. I think better than shotgunning out 200 resumes, try to personally contact 20 people in a meaningful way with a text message, with a LinkedIn message, whatever it might be. That's going to go a lot further than hundreds of resumes just randomly being applied to. So that's key. And I'd say last, know that you're not alone. If you're an engineer, you're looking for a job, definitely not alone in looking for work. It's going to be temporary. You might be a senior engineer, junior, mid. It might be that you have to take a small salary reduction. All of those things are okay. You're going to make it back. Most important thing, stay in the game, ask for help, ask for those referrals. Like I said, all storms come to an end, the rain will end, and we've seen it before. So keep all of those things in mind. Try to utilize some of those tactics, being a little more personal, and good things will happen. You just got to keep hustling. That is the perfect way to end the episode. Listeners, embrace the rain. I love that so much. Brian, thank you so much for coming back on and just giving us the state of the current economy, some tips. I think this is going to be helpful to both developers and employers alike. And yeah, appreciate all the advice. Thanks, Brittany. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.